Gesundheit with Jacobus, Health Talk Radio, integrating allopathic and all natural medicine one show at a time. Here is your host, Jacobus Hollowine. Oh, good morning, everybody. Oh, let me grab this real quick. Yeah, well, so I forgot something. Hey, nice to be with you. How are things? This is a program about health, healing, and healthy lifestyles. I give the experts a chance to chat about what they do for a living, the passions that they have in their work, books they have written, articles, research they're working on, or just something they just want to share with us. And usually it's, it's, usually it is all about health. Gesundheit means health or good health. And uh, that is what the program is all about. Now, keep in mind that as we talk about these topics, it's not the idea that we're here to diagnose, treat, or cure. It's all about information, education, and some entertainment to go along the way. So there we go. Hey, uh, wonderful to be with you. Let me tell you a little bit about my guest, Rudy Dogoni. I am really excited about this. As many of you know, who are regular listeners to the program, I have had Dr. Michael Platt on the program a few times, and he, uh, back in 2015, I think was the first time I talked to him, and it has it changed my life uh, because it opened my eyes to something that I had, uh, there were certain parts of his story that I knew, and there was other pieces of the puzzle that he brought that started to connect hormones, progesterone, cortisol, adrenaline, insulin, it, it all started to make more sense to me. And I have been able since that day and since the show's following, have been able to help customers in the store much better to understand how the how they can control some of the issues they're dealing with in their health. It is absolutely a pleasure to have Rudy Dragoni with me on the program because he is a giant in the industry. He is somebody who has so much respect. He's done this for over 30 years. And a, this is a man, he is a compounding pharmacist. Let me just tell you a little bit about him. Hope, help, and healing through education and the proper use of bioidentical hormone replacement therapy is more than an occupation for compounding pharmacist and hormone export expert Rudy Dogoni. It is his passion, mission, and a spiritual journey. At a very early age, Rudy had a burning desire to help people. At the age of 17, he enrolled in pharmacy school, and by the time he was 21, he became the youngest pharmacist in New York City. He quickly developed a reputation as a visionary in the pharmacy business, and before too long, he owned 10 pharmacies around the Big Apple. Seeking a better quality of life for his family, Rudy sold the New York pharmacies and headed for Arizona. Once there, he purchased Clark's Pharmacy in Carefree, Arizona, and set out to help enhance the lives of thousands using his expertise in compounding medicine and hormone replacement therapies. Rudy has worked for years with Dr. William Lee, an uh, international acknowledged pioneer in the study and use of hormone replacement therapy for women. 
together, they were instrumental in the, the education thousands of healthcare professionals about the role of hormones and the use of bioidentical hormone replacement therapy in healthcare. The fire department in Phoenix, Arizona was so impressed, they approved the use and coverage of bioidentical hormone replacement therapy in the healthcare of their employees. After seeing the positive impact this had on the health and quality of life for millions of people, Rudy has made it his mission to spread the word about this remarkable treatment modality. Now, if you'd like to find out more about Rudy Dorgoni, go to his website, Clark's Pharmacy AZ, Clark's Pharmacy Arizona.com. But he is with us today on the phone. Good morning, Rudy. Good morning to you. How are you doing? How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, uh, there, uh, just a, a, a few little changes. Um, ah. I would like to talk to you about what you just what you just said, yeah. if I could. Um, I, I, the first thing I want to say to, to all your listeners and to yourself is that I, I'm not important. It's not me. It's not. It, it, what's important is the message. Yes. And and if we can get the information out to people, that that's what's important. Uh, um, we're not going to be political, but. No matter how I do it, I always go back to God and and and, and say, you know, um, it, it's God that's coming through us. And if anybody says they're an expert, run, because <laughs> the more you learn, the more you realize that you you don't know everything. Sure. We did figure out some some things, and uh, even though we um, we do a lot of help, and and I have been able to uh, talk to. A lot of doctors, you know, and 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 it's been very humbling to to be able to help as many people as we have. But yes. to me, the the real value of all of this is that um, when people come to me, they'll say, "Oh, I've been praying, and and someone gave me your book, or gave me a website, or gave me a video, or or I have been praying, and someone mentioned you and told me to call you." So to me, uh, the fact that I'm here on the radio with you today is a testament to God, not to me, okay? In, in my books, at the front of the book, I always say, you know, with God, the old things are possible. Yes. I just wanted to put that disclaimer on there, that anything that we do here is all about helping people and educating people so that they could be able to get the message that hopefully they've been praying for or, or hoping for to, to, to feel better. That's okay? well, well that's, said. That, yeah. that, that, that's, our, that's our first disclaimer. <laughs> okay, okay, that's good enough. Yeah, so, was there another one? <laughs> yeah, no, with, 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 uh, uh, with that being said, I'd like to jump into it because I have been known to talk sometimes for as much as, you know, 10 hours. Yes. Um, uh, the, the, when, how I got involved in this was um, a long time ago, I had, I guess you said, I had pharmacies back in New York, and... Um, Someone came to me and said, can you compound a certain prescription? And I did. And after I, I, I compounded the prescription, they came back to me and they said, you know, because of your help where other people couldn't do it, we were able to not have another miscarriage. Oh, and we were yeah. able to hold on to the baby. And now this life is, is in the world because of your help. And I was hooked. I, I, you know, I was I was totally hooked. I sat there and I said to myself, "Wow, what a powerful message that is to be yes. able to help people in that way." And and so 
I wanted to learn more and more. So I went to um, seminars where one doctor was teaching about bioidentical hormones and in one part of the country. And then I went to another seminar and spent several days with other doctors and then other doctors and then read all the books that I could. Yes. And at a certain point uh, around the, the year 2000, I got connected with Dr. Bill Lee. And uh, when we were with him, we decided to start our company called uh, Profile Health, which now is no longer exists. But at that time, we try to do telemedicine. And as we were trying to do telemedicine, we were way ahead of the bell curve, by the way. Yeah. You know, because it wasn't accepted then, it's accepted now. But, but at that time, um, it wasn't very well accept, accepted by, you know, regulatory committees and everything else. Now, let, but, me ask you, let me ask you a quick question. What, who is uh, Dr. Bill Lee or William Lee compared to Dr. John Lee? Okay, uh, there's two different people. Okay. John Lee is the one who pioneered um, bioidentical progesterone um, a long time ago. And he, he was um, advocating the use of 20 milligrams of progesterone for everybody. Correct. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Dr. is a, uh, a doctor that I met here in Arizona, and he was instrumental in helping me, or, or I should say I was instrumental in helping him with the Phoenix Fire Department and with um, starting Profile Health. This, com this company that we were talking about that did the bioidentical hormones via telemedicine. Profile As Health. Okay. It's called Profile, yeah, Profile Health? Health. It, okay. it doesn't exist anymore. It went out oh, of business. Okay, okay. Uh -huh. um, but, um, you know, so that's, just to give you an idea, it went out of business 12 years ago. <laughs> okay. All right. And we, um, and we tried to get the message out back then via telemedicine. What the good thing about that company is that since we were doing that, we got enormous amounts of information. Hmm. You can read all you want in the books or on the internet, but nothing is going to give you the privy to get into what's happening to people as working with them on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Right. I teach doctors on bioidentical hormones, and I say to them, I go, um, 90%, or I should say 10% of how you treat the patient is looking at the labs and seeing where their levels are. 90% mm. of how you should treat the patient is how they're feeling. Yes. Because if the lab says that they're normal and they're not feeling well, you have work to do. Yes. Okay? So, Great so, point. So don't, yeah, don't, don't look at the labs and treat the labs. Treat the patient. Okay? And, and so I, I give classes and... I've asked, uh, I've been asked for a, by a lot of doctors a lot of different questions for a lot of different um, disease states or uh, what I call conditions, okay? Because sometimes you have a disease and that disease is really not a disease. It's just a condition of where your body is at that moment. Correct. You know, so people say to me, well, do I need to use hormones for the rest of my life? I said, no, you don't need to use them. You don't need to do anything. But do you want to? You know, some people will say to me, if I don't need him anymore, the doctors say that I'm 80 years old and I don't need to do this anymore. I'm more of a risk. And I go, you know, you could live your entire life from now until the day you die, breathing five times a minute. Okay. Yeah. Just count every 12 seconds and then breathe. Is yeah. it, will it be comfortable? No, it won't be comfortable. Because most people breathe about 12 times a minute. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So wh why do something 
or stay in a certain condition where you're not comfortable. So here comes the bioidentical hormones. Excellent. Sometimes if yeah. you get the right mixture back into your body, all of a sudden people say to me, wow, I haven't felt this good in 10 years. I haven't felt this good in 20 years. Some even say, I've never felt this good. Huh. How do we get there? How, how, how do we get these people to feel that how, you know, that, that moment in time where they say, wow, you know, I really feel at one with the planet, at one with, I feel at home in my own skin. Because I can't tell you how many people come to me and say, I feel like a stranger in my own body. I see. And, and, and that's the scary part, you know. So again, we're here to give them information. We're here to be able to, to talk to people and give them a message. And the message is that there's help. There's hope. You know, uh, if, if you look at how you have to help yourself, it's not one thing that's going to take care of it. But this is a big piece. When I look at health, I tell people, I say, think of a deck of cards. In a deck of cards, half of them are red, half of them are black. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh -huh. The red ones are danger or illness. The black cards are health and wellness. So if you have half, the chances are 50-50 that you're going to be okay. Well, what could we do to remove the red cards? What could we do to add more black cards? So these are the ways that you go to be healthier and healthier and healthier. Hormones is, for me, the most important way to be able to add more black cards into the system. I see. And doing cleansing and taking vitamins and doing other things to remove the red cards, like eating properly so you're no longer having you know toxic things in your body, is a way to remove the red cards. Yes. But if you were to remove more red cards and add more black cards, you'd be healthier. That's right. Okay? Yeah, and, and, yeah. and that's the whole thing. Now, I am not a health guru. I am not a person that you'd say, wow, this guy looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. No. I am <laughs> 270 pounds. Yeah. But I have a flat stomach. Yeah. I don't do a lot of exercise. I probably should do more. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. I am not the perfect person. And I'm going to gather that your listeners are more like me, more normal people. Yeah, I'm just saying that if you're going to do certain things that are not good for you, you might as well do some things that are easy and are good for you to at least put in more black cards. You're going to do things. Everybody likes to eat. You, yes. you had a, a, a gala yesterday. I'm sure there was good food there. I'm sure there was dessert there. I'm sure there was some sugary things there. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure there was coffee. Okay. Uh -huh. All of these things may not be the best for you, but I'm not going to be one that says you're supposed to cut everything out. Now, I may tell some patients that because of where they've gotten to that condition, that it would be a good idea to remove these things from their repertoire for a certain amount of time. But what I'm doing is to get them more into a healthier position, a healthier condition. And then at that time, they may want to introduce those things a little bit again yes. okay, into their, their, you know, their repertoire. I don't, yeah. I, I don't say, you can't take this forever. You have to eat a vegetarian diet for the rest of your life. No, because you have to enjoy your life. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, if things are harmful to you, you have to decrease them. Well, and there are people who are vegetarians who really enjoy life, but I, I, at the same time, there are people who are vegetarians or vegans who haven't studied how they can get the proteins and fats in the diet 
and they end up uh, not feeling good, the hair falling out, hormonal problems. Uh, I see it on a regular basis. And so it, you, you have to study. If you want to make such a drastic change, you really need to study what you, what, what you need to do, you personally, not what the books are saying, but that, that will work for you. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 that, and that's the, that, that statement couldn't be more correct. Okay. Information and study and listening and, and, and finding out for yourself and trying things for yourself. Yeah. Many times people come to me and they say, um, Rudy, I feel like I'm in this dark tunnel and I look to the right and look to the left and I can't find a way out. Yeah. And, and, and that's where I'm at. And, and can you help me? Yeah. I can tell you story after story of men and women. Okay, that have come to me and said, you know, Rudy, how do I take care of this? Because if you can't help me, I'm ready to commit suicide. I see. And, and, and they feel lost. And, and, I, and I look at it and I go, um, when they're taken care of, when the, the, these problems are fixed, okay, they come back to me and I've got a text just yesterday and said, I owe you my life. And I go, no, not me. Okay. Yeah. Do not praise me. I am not nothing to be praised of. I am just a messenger. Yeah. If you found something and I was able to give you information that changed your life, that helped you, praise God. And mm-hmm. and that's and that's how I feel. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, with, with that being said, um, we I, I'd like to tell you a couple of little stories. Sure. And and telling you these little stories, I uh, it's, and it's no because we have plenty of time to be able to get through the 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 information yeah. to help people. But I want to, I want to tell us um, this little story. I tell this story usually at the end of my lectures. My father was um, 65 at the time. He had a, a heart attack. Yeah. And when he had a heart attack, I said to him, I said, they went in, they put a stent in his heart. And I said to him, I go, um, dad, come out to visit us in Arizona. Cause he lived in New York and he about eight months passed, and he said, no, you know, I, I, I can't go because my heart hurts. So I got in the plane, drove, you know, fl- flew back up to New York, and they had just finished doing an angiogram on him. And um, there I am standing in front of the radiologist and the, young, uh, and the uh, cardiologist, and they're showing me, because they know what I do, they're showing me his um, angiogram, and they said, look, we're going to cut here, cut here, cut here, cut here, four different cuts and give them a quadruple bypass. And I said, whoa, 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 time out. I go, he, my father's got diabetes. He's got hemochromatosis. He's got a thyroid problem. He's got osteoporosis. He has, you know, uh, his legs from his knee to his ankles are black, okay, because of iron deposits from the hemochromatosis. I says, now you're t- thinking about, you know, breaking open his chest, probably breaking a couple of ribs while you're doing surgery, taking out a vein out of a leg that already has, you know, a diminished capacity for blood flow, and he's got diabetes, I go, you're sentencing, sentencing him to have his legs eventually cut off. Right. And I go, this is not an option. And, and they pointed their finger at me, and they said, if you take him out of here, he will strain going to the bathroom one day, and he'll have a heart attack and it'll be your fault. Hmm. So it is this society of fear that they push into us to, to, to make us do what they want. Yeah. 
And, and I went to my father, and he was still in the gurney with the incision from where they, in his leg, where they did the, the angiogram. And I said to him, I go, Pop, I, go, I don't think this is the right thing to do. And he said to me, my mother died at 24 in Italy, and my father died at 58, and I'm 65. Maybe it's my turn to go. And I said, you're crazy. Instead of going to the thing, we're going to call Bellevue. Okay, God gives you the opportunity to live and you have to fight to be able to live. You have to fight to learn to be able to live a better life. And, and Rudy, and this, Rudy, this, I have to I, I want to hear the story, but we have a very hard break coming up. We have to finish it after after the break. Stay tuned, please, folks. Gesundheit with Jacobus will be right back with Rudy Dragoni. Stay tuned, please. Making excellent use of your time and mind. Listening to Gesundheit with Jacobus every week. Your story that you started talking about your dad, we had to go to a hard break. I'm so sorry for that. Uh, no, you, okay. you were explaining that uh, you went, the doctor said, if you take him home, well, we think he should have triple bypass surgery. If anything happens to him, it's on you. And then you said you went back to your dad and you started explaining things to your dad. Right. Uh, what happened was I, they, they said to me it was quadruple bypass. Oh, quadruple, and, sorry. Yeah, and they said... Um, if you take him out of here, he'll strain going to the bathroom and he'll die and it'll be your fault. So they scare you into doing whatever it is they want to do. Yes. And I, and I was, and I, don't get me wrong. I really like doctors. I'm, most of my friends are doctors. And, and, but there, there are some that are, you know, they have a God complex. And, yes. and I, and I have a problem with that. Okay. Yes. I, I have a problem with, breaking open the chest with someone that had problems like my dad did. And yes. they don't look, they say, I can solve this problem. They don't see the, all of the problems they create. But anyway, I went to my dad while he was still on the gurney, right out of the angiogram. And I asked, said to him, I said, dad, you know, um, this and this and this is happening. And he pretty much said to me again, that her, his mother died at 24. His father died at 58. And he thought that, at 65, maybe it was his turn to go. And I yelled at him and I said, no, because, you know, we, sh we should fight for every single second that we have to live. Mm -hmm. We have to fight. Okay. And this is a gift that is given to us, this life from God. And he turned to me and he said, I put my life in your hands. And I took him back to Arizona. Okay. And he didn't have the quadruple bypass, but there were so many other good doctors that I talked to. And they did chelation therapy, and we did colon cleansing, and we did vitamin therapy, and we did uh, a whole slew of other therapies, including hormones. Yes. And increasing his testosterone has been shown to increase blood perfusion to the heart by almost 57%. Yes. Okay? And after two and a half months of all of this therapy, the man who couldn't walk two blocks without getting chest pains, him and I went up a mountain in Arizona. And wow. he was carrying two two-liter bottles of water. Wow! And we got to the, the a spot in in the mountain that's called at the time was called Squaw Peak. There's a 0.75 mile marker. There's a piece that goes straight up. Wow! And he looked at me and he goes, "I can make it." And and he goes, "But I'm scared that if we go up and I fall and I break something, you're going to have to carry me all the way down." So we came back down to the mountain and. I had an old police cruiser at the time, and, and I see him fiddling with his fingers, and he's looking down, 
and I, I grab him by the shoulder and I say, Pop, I go, I go, what, what, what's the matter? And he looked me right in the eye and he said to me, he goes, thank you for saving my life. Wow. And, and, wow. and when he said that to me, a chill came over me, almost like I was touched, you know, by something better than myself. Yeah. And I knew then that I had to spread the word, that I had to tell people that there's hope, that yeah. there are other things that we can do, and, and you have to fight. You have to fight for your life. Yeah. You can't just go in and, and, and say, okay, I surrender all of my power to anybody. And no matter how good the specialist is, you, you need to find information for yourself. Yeah. And there's always things in health food stores. And I praise people that own health food stores. Mm. I, I lecture at health food stores, talking to people, letting them know of all these different alternatives. Yeah. But you guys are on the front line. Because, see, there'll be some people that have cancer, okay? Yeah. And they don't know they have cancer. We all make cancer every day and certain cells. But if you have a good immune system, that immune system destroys that cancer. And how do we get better? Some people feel, oh, my God, I feel terrible. I don't know what's going on with me. I'm sluggish. And what do they do? They go to a health food store, and they start juicing, and they start taking vitamins, and they start taking the right foods. And as they do those things, what happens? They reinforce their immune system and probably kill a little cancer that they didn't even ever know that they had it. And yeah. this happens probably on an everyday basis. Yes. And no one knows about it. No one's talking about it. So it's important that we, we get to the nux of this and be able to say, hey, there are certain things that you can do to feel better. With that being said, I, I wrote this, you know, I wrote one book about, um, it was just like a, a, a transcript of one of my lectures, and then I put in a couple of pearls of how it can help doctors, uh, help patients, and then I bought a, 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 wrote another book on progesterone, putting in, again, pearls that I felt that would help people, okay, um, to understand these yes, things. Yes. And then someone came to me and said, Rudy, what you need to do is you need to write an outline. And this outline, so, so that simple people could be able to read it, and understand where they have to start. Because the big thing is, you go to a doctor, and you, again, surrender your power. And and some of them, if they don't know what's going on, or they don't understand hormones the way that can be understood, they just say, just do this. And if you learn enough about it, you can get a little backbone and say, hey, uh, even though I'm in the same, I'm in the normal range, I don't feel well. How about coaching me to the higher part of the normal range yes. to get the benefits that I'm looking for? That's okay? great. Yes. And, and, and that's, that's what has to be done. So with that being said, how do we do this? How, how do we get people to understand and, and, and how do they start to be able to um, feel better? The biggest thing that I say, number one problem is clean the liver. You have to clean the liver. I see. And, and you can check. There is a way for you to be able to check what kind of status your liver has. There's enzymes like ALT, AST, SGOT, SGPT, all these things that are, that are blood tests. But the simple way is to look at your fingernails. If you look at the cuticle where your fingernails are, especially in the thumb, everybody can look at their thumbs right now and you'll see... Whenever I give a lecture, there's, you know, 100 people there, 100 people start staring at their fingers. And they see that it looks like a sunrise 
or a moonrise. Yeah. They're called lumen, the little white part right next to the cuticle. Yeah. Those act like a gas gauge in your car. Okay. The more lumen you have on your fingers, the better your liver function is. Why? How does this, how does this translate from one to the other? When your liver is clean and it doesn't have any toxins and it's not overburdened by having to do too much work, it can make nutritious things that will feed the body. And as it does that and removes toxins, certain parts of your body get healthy and grow. Since your fingers are far away from your liver, fingers and toes, what you see is that as you get more and more burden on the liver, the lumen start to go away because they become unhealthy. I see. And as you clean the liver, more and more lumen appears. So if you have all 10 fingers that have a little um, lumen there or a little sunrise on the cuticle, you're pretty, you're, your liver is pretty healthy. And if you check it, you'll see that the liver enzymes are low. The, the levels for liver enzymes actually say zero to 25, zero to 45 as a range. How can you have zero? If you have zero, that means you're pretty darn healthy. I okay? see. Uh-huh. And, 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 your lumen, and your lumen are very, very healthy as well. Mm-hmm. So I've seen a lot of people with you know, very low liver enzymes and are very healthy. I've seen people that have come to me in their 70s and 80s that have brown spots. And they say, oh, those are liver spots because of the sun. And they're riddled with them on every arm. And when we clean their liver, they all of a sudden away. those yeah. liver spots disappear. Yeah, they go away. They go away. Okay. So even in their 80s, they go away. And they say to me, well, it's old skin. I go, no, it's because your liver is, has a toxic load on it. And if you can remove the toxic load, the better you are. Yes. Go, so if you look at a young person, their liver is clean. And I say, well, a liver is like a juggler. When you're young, you only have two balls to juggle, and the juggler can do it with no problem. Right. As you get older, you start getting more and more toxic load onto the liver. And I'll explain how, how that works. And you, you get more and more balls. So when you're at six balls juggling six balls, one of them falls, okay, and it settles on the skin and you create brown spots. And one of them falls and all of a sudden it can't send the nutritious uh, things it needs to the lumen and the lumen start to uh, get weaker and weaker. So as we see this, as we know this, okay, what can we do to remove the liver load? There's something called hepatic biliary circulation. And I'll tell you a little story Say that again. What was the word? It's called hepatic biliary circulation. Oh, hepatic. Okay. Yeah. Hepatic biliary circulation. And, and what happens is, I'm going to tell you a little story about myself. Um, I was a young kid. I was um, living in the Bronx and I was doing errands for um, a lot of the neighbors and they would give me, you know, a quarter as a tip and 50 cents as a tip. So I had a couple of dollars and I went to the fruit stand and I bought myself um, two pounds of cherries. Two huge, a huge bag. And I sat on the stoop and I ate all of the cherries. All two pounds. That's incredible. <laughs> and, and I started throwing up and I started having diarrhea and I was sick as a dog. Okay. And I, I, I had no idea this could, could happen. 
And um, afterwards, every time I bit into a cherry or bit into a plum or bit into uh, an apple, my gums would swell up, my throat would close, and I would have an allergic reaction. And as I and this happened for decades. And I was in my 30s, and a doctor friend of mine said to me, he goes, Rudy, all you need to do is clean your liver. I go, what? He goes, yeah, clean your liver. And if you clean your liver, you're going to see that those things disappear. And he goes, because what's happening is you have these tannins in your blood and in your liver, and they get conjugated, made into a salt. Here's the juggling part, okay? Yeah. They get thrown into with bile into the intestine, but the intestines have enzymes, and they redissolve it, put it back in the blood, back in the liver. Here's the juggling part, okay? And this is now keeping the liver occupied, doing this over and over and over again for decades. Yes. So if you remove those chemicals and clean the liver, then it no longer has to juggle that ball, which allows it to be able to do other things and help you, okay, get healthier. So I said, how do you do that? Those are the first thing, and this is the naturopath. The naturopaths are very much advocates of coffee enemas. So one of the things they do is they make organic coffee, and you brew about six cups, yes. and you introduce it into the colon, hold it about 15 to 20 minutes, and then let it out into the toilet, okay? And that helps, it does three things. One, supposedly it removes, and I, and I know it does, okay? It removes the toxins that are found in the colon. Yeah, okay? very that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Number two, because the, 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 some toxins will aggregate to the coffee and they'll be removed. Number two, okay, is it causes the gallbladder to spasm. So in some cases, people have told me that not during the evacuation, but following the next evacuation or the second one afterwards, that they have found fat plugs that were in the bile ducts that have been expelled. Okay, Fat, like fat, the like the F from Frank? F-A-T? Yeah, fat. Fat blocks. Right. Okay, good. Yep. Remember that where the bile, bile emulsifies fat. Yes. So where the bile is being released into the duodenum. Duodenum, okay? yeah. And, uh-huh. and the pancreatic are, enzymes. Yeah, there, there are the bile ducts right there. So yes. at that moment, as it's being released, if there's fat there, it emulsifies it. So look like a little volcano. And over time, what will happen is you can create a plug there, okay? And, and so if you got a plug there and then the, the bile, or I should say the gallbladder spasms and releases a lot, the pressure releases the plug. I and see. people have seen them in, in their stool. I but that's, that's the coffee enema. The, the, the first thing is that it removes the toxins that are actually physically removed in, from the colon. The second one, it causes the, the, the contraction from the gallbladder removing the, the bile plug. Or I should say the, the yeah, the fat plug. And then the third thing is that it increases glutathione level. It causes the liver to start making more glutathione. And in some cases, people have said even up to 400%. And you know that glutathione is the best antioxidant that we can have in the body. Yeah, it's the best water-soluble antioxidant that the body can make. Yeah. So with that being said, the coffee enema has made a big deal. So the first time, and understand that for me, it was two years 
of not one, not two, not three, but four doctors that have all recommended the same thing independently of each other, saying, you need to do coffee on you need to do coffee on And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I just, I can't see myself doing that. Okay. Yes. And then finally, uh, I was uh, overweight. I didn't feel well. And I said, I'm going to do it. So I have, it's a two-story house where I live. I walked down the stairs gingerly because I had pain in my knees and pain in my ankles and and I made the coffee, and I went upstairs, and I drew a bath, and I did the enema, and ran down the stairs afterwards because I had no pain. No way. Just after one of them? I mean, after how many did you do? One, well, after the first one, I ran down the stairs, and I looked at him, and I said, how can this be? Now, you have to understand that if you're toxic or you have toxic load, if the body equilibrates it. So you have it in your liver, you have it in your blood, you have it in your colon, you have it in your intrathecal areas like your your wrists and, and your ankle. Yeah. So if you remove it from the colon, the body's going to say, well, let's take the ones in the blood and put it back in the colon. And then you have a certain amount in the joint and the joints are going to say, let's move it from the joint into the blood. And once it removes from the joint, then that brings down swelling. If it brings down swelling, all of a sudden, you don't have any pain. Yes. So, yes, over time, okay, a day later, I, the pain came back. Oh. A day later, I, I, felt, I felt it all over again. Why? Because I had so much in my body that it redistributed itself. And when it redistributed itself, it was back to the same condition. Yes. But if you keep doing them, okay, over time, what will happen is you reduce the toxic load. So what happened to me? I followed what they said, which was three times in the first week, okay, then twice in the second week, then try to follow up with once a week thereafter. And over time, guess what? I can eat cherries again, and my, my gums doesn't <laughs> swell up. And, and, I can eat, and I can eat plums again. And my uh, seasonal rhinitis, when I was having, you know, every time that the yellow flowers would come, I would be sneezing it. That went away. Really? And I said to myself, this can't be, you know, and, and I'm still 270 pounds. I'm 5'10", 270 pounds. So, but again, with a flat belly. And, and so I go, what is going on? And I wanted to learn more. So to me, the most important thing is um, cleaning the liver. And I said, well, what can we do to be able to clean the liver without having to be as drastic as coffee enemas, because when you do coffee enemas, you remove magnesium, and you have to uh, replace like 600 milligrams of magnesium every time you do a coffee enema. Okay. And you also remove some uh, fat-soluble vitamins, okay? So you have to be weary of the all of the fat-soluble vitamins, which is our, our A, D, E, and K. Yes. Okay? Uh-huh. But what can we do that is not so drastic? And as I'm preaching this... Uh, a lady came into the door, and I and as I was talking to her, I said, "Look at your lumen," and she had all ten lumens. And I said to her, I "Go, okay. What are you doing to clean your liver?" And she goes, "Well, I I learned from this other doctor." And you see how it is? It's not that I'm a know-it-all, but you learn from your patients. Correct. You learn from the doctors. You learn from if if we're all open to learn a little bit from everybody, you're going to get a lot of information. You bet. And when you have a career that spans, you know. I started pharmacy when I was nine years old, okay, working in a pharmacy. That's 47 years for me. Yes. You, you learn a lot, okay, mm -hmm. and, and, and so and you, by listening. And she says to me, I, I have this product, and I'm using this product twice a day, and you're supposed to use it for 90 days. 
So I looked into it, and it had milk thistle in it. And I saw, oh, wow. So if you use milk thistle, and I started using the product, and milk thistle, 300 milligrams, with some type of senna laxative or, 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 or vegetable laxative oh. to be able to get a good movement of the bowel. So I say three to four bowel movements a day, especially when you're cleansing, is what you should do. Huh. Because the milk thistle will throw whatever fat you have or toxins you have in the liver into the intestine. But if you don't want it to be resorbed, you've got to get it out faster. I see. So, so, so that if you interesting. Move, That's really interesting. Yes. So if you increase the movement of your stool and get it out fast enough, three to four movements, you eat, you have to go to the bathroom. You eat, you have to go to the bathroom. You should be on that, on that cycle. If you do that, then you're going to remove more and more toxins. And as I started doing the milk pistol, I saw that if I had a fatty meal, okay, the day before, they would be fat in my stool. Yes. Because I'm removing it. Okay. And that, that's num number one. And I, I looked at it and I said, well, here's another way of being able to clean the liver. Now, why am I so stuck on cleaning the liver? Why am I spending so much time? Liver conjugates hormones. Liver is responsible for the metabolism of hormones. If we're going to have a good metabolism in hormones and a good pathway for the hormones, then we have to have the liver that's unburdened. If the liver is carrying too much burden and we see that there's no white in, in the, the fingers, then it may not conjugate the hormones properly. And some people are telling me, oh, I have this problem, I have that problem. And it's not really a hormonal that they're not making enough hormones, but the liver can conjugate it well. So if we clean the liver, that may be the whole, the whole, you know, the whole problem. And they don't have to take any hormones. Wow, that is great. Rudy, we're going to have to take another uh, break. Uh, we have, we're at the end of the first hour. I can't believe it. Uh, amazing, amazing story and amazing uh, advice. For us, when we come back, I'd like you to repeat the uh, coffee enema recipe. We don't have time for that right now. Folks, you are tuned in to Gesundheit with Jacobus with, uh, that means me, Jacobus Holloway. Uh, you are, uh, we are on till 11 o'clock and my guest today is a compounding pharmacist and hormone expert, Rudy Dragoni from Arizona. So stay tuned. We're going to be right back with a lot more information coming your way. If there is anything you want to learn more about Rudy Dragoni, by all means, go to his website. It's called Clark's Pharmacy, AZ for Arizona.com. Clark's, C L A R K S, Pharmacy, AZ, Arizona.com. And the phone number for to reach the company, it's 480 488 0-0-7. And that is in Scottsdale, Arizona. Rudy, what a wonderful hour. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, you had you had asked me to uh, repeat what um, the recipe as far as coffee animals. And yeah. I just want to add that um, um, some people have actually told me that the Amish use coffee animals to cure cancer. Yeah, so, that is that uh, is the Gersh, uh, the the uh, what is it, Doctor Gerson therapy. Gerson therapy, correct. Yes. Uh -huh. um, so so um, again, uh, was recommended to me 
uh, three times a week for the first week, twice a week for the second week, and then once a week thereafter. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. And each time to replace at least 600 milligrams of um, of magnesium. Okay, because yeah. magnesium is actually absorbed in a descending colon. So if you're removing it, you need to replace it. Okay. Yes. Yes. Oh, I, I would go further and to say that any time you do the cleaning of the liver and you start losing fat in your stool, that you need to replace all fat-soluble vitamins, again, A, D, E, and K. And it's interesting because in the little book that I made on how to do this, the second um, chapter of, of the thing is uh, boosting vitamin D you know, and E. And, and, and now I want to talk about a pandemic that is plaguing uh, the United States. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to hear that, uh, but would you mind giving us the recipe first? Plus, I do have a caller on hold who would like to ask you a question. So okay. what was the recipe for the coffee enema? Again, one more time, what you do is you, you, you make six cups of coffee, organic coffee, like you would normally make regular coffee. It has to be organic and it ha- so, so that you don't have any pesticides. And then you introduce it into the, the colon, and all six cups, it has to be lukewarm so that you don't burn yourself, okay? Yeah. And not too cold because then it can cause cramping. And so if it's warm to the touch and you introduce it and, and hold it there anywhere between 15 and 20 minutes and then alleviate and get rid of it um, in the toilet, okay, after that. And many people have come to me and said, you know, even the first time towards the end of it, it almost smells like a skunk because oh. of the toxins coming out. Now, do you so, do you first take a regular enema to to do a first cleanse, kind of rinse it with uh, with water or lemon juice or you, anything you like can. that? I, I do recommend you evacuate before you do it. Okay. 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 But, but if if need be, by all means, do so. But understand that it's going to clean you out. Yes. So anything that's residual in there is gonna is gonna come out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Sounds good. So. Let me let me talk about what, what I say is a pandemic in this country. Would you mind, shall we first take the call? Then, sure, go ahead. Okay. Good morning, caller. Thanks for joining the show today. What is your name, please? How can we help you? R. R? Yeah, I, I'm glad kicked off your interview by giving credit where credit is due, that there's a certain spiritual side to our lives. And our gila last night, we didn't really talk much about our spiritual side. Since I was dressed like a pirate, I didn't bring anything up. So now that you're talking down and dirty, you you (laughs) might talk about what is officially the garbage man of our our system, lymph system. Yeah. My doctor, for instance, says I'm producing mutant white blood cells, and they're getting lodged in the lymph glands. Do you have any personal ideas for cleansing the lymph system since can't really stick some uh, coffee enema up the tubes of the lymph system because it has a lot of tubing just like the blood system does a compounding pharmacy deal with the hormones of a a lymph system Mm -hmm. (laughs) we we deal with the, the hormones of the entire body and they all play a a role in not only the liver or the colon but also the lymph You have to remember that your body is in homeostasis. What is shared by one part is shared by the other part. And the body tries to um, assimilate any toxins or any uh, bad thing and try to separate it from the body. For example, um, if you 
uh, eat something that's not good for you and the body doesn't know how to get rid of it, sometimes it'll make you hungry to be able to store it in a fat cell. There have been shown people that take uh, hallucinogenic drugs like LSD or, or, or mescaline that um, for a long time after they stop using it, okay, that they're fine and then they go onto a diet and they tap into a fat cell where that LSD was put in and they go right back into a trip because it's released back into the body. Understand that you're constantly in homeostasis. Cleaning the liver not only cleans the colon and cleans the blood system, but it also aids in cleaning the lymphatics. I see. The whole idea is if you're making irregularities, is to try to create a cleansing situation where your whole body is in better or in a younger state to allow your body to be able to cleanse everything. It has repercussions. Cleaning the liver has repercussions onto the lymph glands. Yes. Okay? Right. And cleaning the liver has repercussions onto the intrathecal areas, into the brain. Okay? I have seen people that have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's that once they were, and they were working a lot with um, varnish on boats. Oh. And when they, remove, when they remove the toxins that were found in the liver, okay, and remove some of the, the varnish, um, or I should say petroleum products that were stored, okay, in the body, got, they got mental clarity. I'll so you have to understand that there's no such thing as I'm cleaning the liver and all I'm doing is fixing the liver. No, no, no. no. Cleaning the liver then has a, 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 a different situation to every part of the body. And and so I would think that if you did your liver cleansing, okay, that you would have repercussions that follow on to your lymphatic systems. So I, again, um, I have a lot of information to tell, and, and on a one-on-one basis, I would love to talk to you. And I and, and um, when when we finish the show, if you have questions, you can reach out to me, and and I'll be more than happy to help you. In anything that I know, and hopefully we have some kind of solution for you. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. That is so interesting because the varnish, yes. Uh, then you talk about petroleum products, and you talk about you can talk about estrogens and estrogenic yeah. compounds and, that and are coming how, in. How they work? I have a lot to talk about, so let, let me just uh, yeah, jump bet. into this one thing with vitamin D. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, you want me to read the question so the listeners know what we're talking about here? Uh, no, because I'll just explain it. Uh, okay. What, what happens is people say, get vitamin D from food or get vitamin D from nutrition. Yes. The best source of vitamin D is the sun. Yeah. The first, and, and what has happened is when we were kids, so the, the, you probably, when I, I, I remember there was a sunscreen two, sunscreen four, maybe a sunscreen six, you know, in the later years. And, and, and most people use baby oil. And that's not good because it could, could cause a lot of skin damage. Okay. But yes. nowadays, we've gone completely on the other side. I've seen mothers spraying their children with a sunscreen 100, okay? And, and, and it's like they're, they're painting them body to toe, and then they put uh, the, the pants on and then shirts on, and then they put a hat on, and they let them play in the shade. Because they're so scared of, of damage from the sun. We need, everyone needs 15 to 20 minutes of sunlight a day. And that helps make vitamin D normally. Now, vitamin D is necessary for activation of progesterone. And if we don't have a good vitamin D level, progesterone doesn't work. So what, is, what have I been finding? I've been finding that a lot of doctors or a lot of patients coming to me with young kids, 
that have just started their period and they're having horrible periods because progesterone is supposed to balance the amount of estrogen they have in their body. Yes. And if you don't have the right amount of vitamin D, you don't activate the progesterone, so therefore there's no balance, and they have high estrogenic effects. So there are the young girls coming in with a lot of bleeding, a lot of cramping, a lot of PMS. PMS, there's no such thing as PMS. There's only PDS, progesterone deficiency syndrome. And if you have the right amount of progesterone in your body, and it should be in balance, but it's not working, check the vitamin D. Because I've seen vitamin Ds, the normal range is supposedly between 30 and 100. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But the truth of the matter is that when I want to get rid of symptoms from even menopausal women or young people, once I bring them above the 60 level, 60 to 100, <laughs> the, 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 the symptoms go away. I, so tell, I, I tell you, Rudy, I, I tell people above 60 is safe. And if you can, try to get uh, between 75 and 100. And it, 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 I look at it all the time. And I, for me, this is simply a, an experience that I have had. I tell people every time, and again, this is not scientifically proven. This is just anecdotal from all the years that I've done this. If anybody comes to me and says they are dealing with depression, with um, um, cancer, and with some kind of a chronic disease, and I ask them for the vitamin D level, it's usually below 35. So I tell people, you get your vitamin D level over 75, you're going to watch and wait what, what happens. And most of the time, because vitamin D3 has been shown to be effective in 26 different cancers. Now, I'm not saying that you have cancer, you take your vitamin D, your cancer will be gone. But I tell you one thing, you better have that tool in the shed because it is, uh, it is very, very important for our body. Well, let, let me tell you my experience, Jacoby. Yeah. What, what happens is I, I've had tens of thousands of people that I, over the years that I've been able to consult with, just like the gentleman that we were talking about. And I'll have them check their vitamin D, and they're taking 200 milligrams of progesterone, for example, people that are uh, menopausal. And I'll say your vitamin D is low. If it's 15, I tell them to take 10,000 units a day for three months. It has been shown, on average, that if you take 10,000 units a day for a month, it raises it about 15 points. So if you're at 30 and I want to bring you above 60, I tell them to take 10,000 units for two months and then to go yeah. down to you know 2,000 to 5,000 to maintain it. Yes. I always recommend that they spend 15 minutes in the morning you know, just looking at the sun, facing at the sun, getting some exposure of the sun. It's very good to get the sunrise into our eyes and into our brain because it helps make melatonin, which you'll use at night to go to sleep, okay? But the vitamin D deficiency that we have in this country is the reason why we have so much PMS, so many different um, hormonal problems with our young people. So, and, and, and regretfully, they go to a doctor and they'll say, oh, you're having all of these problems. We're going to put you on a birth control pill. And, you know, if you get a license at 16 to drive a car, and getting a license gives you permission to, to drive a car, what does getting a birth control pill at 13 do? I'm sorry, but I'm against it. Yeah. I, I, I'd rather you check your vitamin D, you get the progesterone level, and, and adjust them. And by the way, tell them that if you are doing this, you will become even more fertile. Because this is how I help people be able to attain fertility to be able to have children. 
So that that's my own little pet peeve. Well, that is, that is a very interesting concept uh, because there is no long-term studies done on the pill use at a very young age. And exact, exactly what you mentioned in the very, very first half hour, we are all individuals. This may be a recipe of success for some individuals, but the majority of people will have issues that because they went to the doctor and the doctor plays God, they accept that whatever the doctor says will work and the symptoms that they're feeling and the problems that they continue to have are must be in their head or must be part of them. It cannot come from this little pill that they've been taking. Uh, hormones are very, very dangerous to play with. You you cannot mess with it. You need to understand them and you need to work and find that homeostasis in the hormones as well. And uh, I totally agree with you, Rudy. This is uh, this is a big problem, uh, how quickly we are putting people on antibiotics, how quickly we put women on hormone replacement therapy, how quickly we put young girls on birth control pills. These are synthetic hormones that the body doesn't recognize, and they cause a lot of havoc. And they may alleviate some of your symptoms, but not all of your symptoms. And uh, we got to be extremely careful. Careful with it. Well, in 2004 and in 2005, there was something called a PEPI study and a HERS study. Yes. And they, they did this to be able to prove that the synthetic hormones were better than the bioidentical hormones. And very quickly, over a short period of time, they were able to prove the opposite, ah. that the bioidentical hormones were better than the synthetic hormones. And so they quickly stopped the study. <laughs> but people got wind of it, and when they got wind of it and they saw that the, the, the results they were trying to prove were exactly the opposite, and that bioidentical hormones were actually helping people, okay, ward off cancer, that they, 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 they stopped it. Now, now, I just want you to think about this for a second. If you have people, in, in, and you lined up 100 people, and, and I'm not advocating this, I'm just giving this as a, a, uh, a hypothetical situation. If you had 100 people and you, all, you gave them a, a glass of toxic waste, drink, okay, and they, you knew that this was going to cause cancer, and they take it, and all of them got cancer, okay? Now, you take that same glass, and you throw it in 10 million gallons of water, and you stir it up, and then everybody drinks a gallon, or, or I should say, a glass of that water. The probability is that you're, no one's going to get cancer, because you only got a small amount of the toxic situation, and not enough to create a problem. The body should be able to take care of that, okay? So yes. what does that lead us to be? It leads us to know that if you have anything that's causing a condition and you remove it or diminish it or use something to fight against it, that that condition is going to be minimized. Yes. When we look at what happens with people as we get older, especially women, men lose about 2% of their hormones from age 25 on. So by the time you're 50, you're half the man you used to be, okay? And and what does that translate? And I'm not talking about the sexual appetite type of thing. I'm, what I'm talking about is, again, we worked with the Phoenix Fire Department, and you get a 49-year-old fireman, you get a 19-year-old fireman, and they're both playing, both look like they're in good shape, and they're both playing basketball. They jump up, they come down, they sprain their ankles. The 19-year-old is back on the court in three days. The 49-year-old is three weeks and still mending that ankle. Yeah, you're okay? right. Mm -hmm. so that's a lack of hormones. We build up that 49-year-old's hormones, and no, I'm not going to be back in three days, but he'll be back in a week instead of three weeks. Okay? And so what happens to his mind when he's out for three weeks? 
Well, after three weeks and he's feeling better, they say, hey, come on out. Let's go play basketball again. He goes, no, nah, I'm going to go clean the truck. <laughs> no, nah, I'm going to go do paperwork. Why? Because he's scared of hurting himself for another three weeks. Okay? And that now changes your mindset. I tell, again, going back to my dad, when he was younger and we were back in the Bronx and I come running upstairs, I go, dad, 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 there's a car fire outside of our house. And he looked at me and he goes, is it your car? I go, of course not. I was nine years old. He goes, he goes, well, what do you care? And he's moved month about his business. Fast forward 30, 35 years. And I go to visit my dad. I go, hey, pop, what are you doing outside? He goes, you know, there's this woman that comes around with this dog. And the dog does his business right by the fire hydrant. And then I have to go and clean it up. So I want to talk to her and make sure it does. The guy who couldn't care if there was a car on fire, okay, when he was younger, now worries about dog poop. Yes. Okay, this is what it does to the brain when you have a deficiency in testosterone for men. And people are not talking about it. When dad walks around saying, hey, shut off the light, okay, it's because he doesn't want to work anymore to make the money to pay for those lights. Because yes. he's tired. Okay, and it affects the brain. So it's not just about sexual appetite. It's about mental health. People don't realize that getting the hormones right actually helps people be more relaxed, be more in tune with what they have to do, and helps take care of their family. Yes. With that being said, let's go back to, so we know vitamin D is necessary to activate progesterone. Yes. I want to talk about vitamin E. Vitamin E helps accentuate the estrogen signature and the testosterone signature. So when some people increasing their vitamin E, 400 to 800 units a day, actually helps them without having to um, adjust the hormones. It, it actually accentuates the hormones that they have. Yes. So we said number one is take care of the liver. Number two is take care of the fat-soluble vitamins. Number three is adjusting the thyroid. Now, it's important that we talk about thyroid because if I had a perfect person with perfect hormones, perfect food, the epitome of health, okay, and I took that person and put him in a, in a box for three days, and took that person out, what I would find, instead of burning at 98.6, they'd be about 95, 96. The temperature goes down. When the body is starving itself, it tries to fight back. And the way it fights back is by saying, okay, I need to lower my temperature so I don't burn all the food that I have. I need to maintain whatever hormones I have. So she creates something called a steroid hormone binding globulin. It's just a protein that's made to be able to attach itself to the hormones so that we don't use them all at once. Yes. Okay? Yes. And, and so this is the body's protection mechanism. Yes. The problem is that when you have a thyroid problem, whatever it may be, yeah. the same thing happens. The body thinks you're starving, even though you're feeding yourself and people gain weight. Okay, because they're no longer burning at 98.6, they're burning at 96. So the two degree temperature change in the body is enormous amount of food that's being stored as fat. Rudy, we have to take another break. Rudy, we got to take another break. Folks, uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thank you so much for tuning in. Rudy, good morning to you. What a great program so far. Good morning to you too. Thank you. And uh, there is a question on a text message. This is a male. I asked the person, are you male or female? So, and he said he is a male. And so uh, the question is, I suffer from high testosterone. 
is there any way to control this before I become too aggressive? The doctor has prescribed some meds, but they're expensive and they have side effect. And he said also um, his blood pressure was 20 to 30% above normal. He said rages are sporadic, but very intense. Meds and meditation help, but he feels that prostate and testes are suffering. Um, what have you ever dealt with anything like this? And what is your suggestion, Rudy? Well, when, whenever I come across with someone that has um, hypertestosteronemia, okay, what you want to do is you want to find out what the source is, okay? Um, just because you have a lot of testosterone, what's causing that to happen? Is the uh, pituitary sending too much of a signal? It, it, are the testes creating them on their own? What, what it, why is this happening? In the meantime, Okay, while you have while you're trying to evaluate where it's coming from, what you can do to counterbalance it is progesterone. So I've given people that have this situation uh, 15 milligrams of progesterone, sometimes seven and a half milligrams twice a day. And I've asked I haven't given it. This is what I've recommended physicians to give to their patients. And as long as the vitamin D is up to where it's supposed to be again. Um, the, the progesterone activates and two things happen. Number one, progesterone has a calming effect. It binds to the same nerve centers of the brain in men and women that Valium does. So it is the body's own endogenous, okay, Valium to calm a person down. And the second thing is progesterone is also a natural diuretic. And because it's a natural diuretic, decreasing the blood volume, okay, you'll decrease blood pressure. Huh. So if he has a blood pressure situation and he has an anger issue, I would recommend that the physician, now I can't tell this gentleman to do it because, okay, even though that you can find some over-the-counter progesterones that would be able to be the same dose that I'm recommending, I would recommend that they see the physician, they talk to the physician about this option, okay, because I don't know all of the other particulars about the case. Good okay? point. But yes. if the doctor would give me the particulars, I would be able to say to them, yes, knowing that this is the hormonal pattern, as long as it falls in within these certain parameters, I would recommend progesterone to help him. So would you, you said seven and a half milligram or 75 milligram? Seven and a half milligrams. Seven and, and a half? Problem, yeah, the problem, you see, men don't, you have to remember that when you look at hormones, yes. the difference between men and women, okay, we make the same hormones. It's the concentration of hormones. When you look at testosterone levels of a man, they should be 40 times that of estrogen. When you look at the testosterone of women, it's completely the opposite. So if you if you, you hear about these people that are, are changing from one gender into the next, yes. the way they do that is by moving the hormones from one situation into the other situation. That is totally and true. Then, yes. Like, so, so if we can change men into women and women into men. Don't you think we can keep women as women and men as men? Yes, we can. Okay, so so that, that, that's, that, that's the whole crux of this is bringing, returning to yourself. What has happened is women and men all, all turn to me and they tell me, I don't feel like myself anymore. I don't feel the way I used to be when I was younger. What can I do to bring that back? And and for me, I say I say to them, what we need to do is try to bring the body back to as close to a younger situation. If you go to these huge clinics that the ultra-rich use and they say, oh, 
it's $150,000 to walk in the door on some of these places, okay? Yes. And their big secret is to look at the hormone levels that you had when you were younger and then bring them back to the top one-third of normal, which is where they were when they were younger. When you see a range, and the range says testosterone, for example, from 300 to 1100, okay, or to 1200, just, just giving an example. What, what it is, is that range also has an age attached to it. Who's going to be the 300? Oh, those are the 59, 69-year-olds. And who's going to be the 1100? Those are the 19-year-olds, okay? So what happens if I move my hormones from that of a 59, 69-year-old to the hormones of a person that's more like 29-year-old? How is my body going to be rebuilt? Well, all of the tissue that is going to be rebuilt by that architect, which is our hormones, okay, gets rebuilt in a younger fashion. Now, am I going to regress you to the point that you're 19? Obviously not. But yes. what we have to re realize is that in this country, in the United States, because of all the stresses, because of all the stresses on the food, because of all the lack of nutrition, you know, 100 years ago, 100 grams of spinach had 100 milligrams of element elemental iron. Today, that same spinach has one, one yes. milligram of elemental iron. So how much spinach do you have to eat to get that 100 milligrams of elemental iron? It's almost impossible I from see. over farming. I okay? Uh -huh. This is going to... So what we want to do is we want to bring you back as much as we can. We're aging two years for every one. That means that the human body should last to be 120 to 150 years old. And when we die at 120, now this is the body that's given perfect food, devoid of stress, sure. you know, this is Adam and Eve situation, okay? Um, that's where you're supposed to die. When we look at that 120, 170, 150-year-old uh, body, it looks like what we look like at 60 to 70 years old. Yes. So what would we look like 30-something years old? So you'll see some people at the gym that are eating well, that are doing all the right nutrition, that are, that are, that are, um, are exercising correctly, that are meditating, that are praying, whatever it is that gets you to that nirvana state, okay? And they're no longer aging like other people. 60-year-old that looks like he's 30, and on the other hand, you'll see some 30-year-olds with huge amounts of stress on them. They yeah. look like they're 50 and 60 years old. What, what is happening is the human body, okay, is acting on whatever hormone levels they have. Yeah. Uh, so what we want to do is we want to get those hormones as high in the normal range as possible, but at the same time to get the people to have the benefit that they're looking for. I don't want to create Arnold Schwarzenegger's, and I don't want to create Pamela Anderson's, okay? I, I don't want to do that. What I want to do is let the person go back to where they're comfortable in their own skin. Right. And that's why we, we use the hormones, is to be able to advocate that situation. Now, okay. yeah, so it's very interesting. Uh, boy, I, uh, can I ask you a few questions based on what sure. we just uh, talked about? Uh, you, mm -hmm. uh, I have been using progesterone cream ever I got introduced to it by Dr. Michael Platt. Uh, I know that you have come out with, you are working with a company that also comes out with a progesterone cream. And I've been using that, the 75 milligram, and I use it twice a day. So am I taking too much progesterone all of a sudden? I thought that I can use it, that anybody can use it. Uh, I feel good, but maybe I'm taking too much. So what are your thoughts about that? Um, 
I don't advocate the use of that high amount of progesterone oh. for milk because it can uh, and that can actually bring down your DHT level. DHT and, level, dihydrotestosterone. Correct. And if you bring your DHT down too too low, it can kill your erection. Interesting. Yeah. So so depending on and, and, it, and nothing is a one dose deal. Everything is hormones over time. Huh. And 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 when you apply creams, you should to get good absorption. You have to use. Uh, you can't keep putting it on the same spot every day. Okay. So what you want to do is you want to put it on a piece of the skin, like, and I advocate the inside of both arms, yeah. from the wrist up to the armpit. Yeah. Then from that's the what I do. That's what I down do. Down to the waist on either side and the inside of the thigh. So you have six different spots to be able to use the hormone cream. But you you and you, you use it Monday on the arm, Tuesday on the side, Wednesday on the leg, uh, Thursday on the other leg. So by the time you get back to the same spot where you started from, six or five or six days have gone by. Okay, so so that you don't get tissue saturation. Oh, okay. So the the amount of high progesterone for men um, is good in certain conditions over a short period of time. For example, one of the things that we found is that if you took a forty five year old female and a forty five year old male, and they both had the same lipid level, okay, woman that is menstruating and creating progesterone, yes, she has ten percent the chance of having a heart attack that that male does because progesterone has been known to kill foam cells. What cell? What cell? Uh, Foam cells. What what happens is white blood cells are circulating throughout your body. Yeah. And there are certain proteins that are also circulating in your blood system, uh, homocysteine being one of them. Those homocysteines have a, um, a way of being able to scuff up the inside of the arteries. When they scuff up the inside of the arteries and create a damage onto that artery, the cholesterol will go and create a patch, almost like a band-aid. Okay, that gets healed, but then the progesterone—I mean, sorry—and the cholesterol starts to get rancid. The white blood cell comes and eats the, chole- the cholesterol. Okay. When these white blood cells get full, they move into the inner lining of an artery, creating a little bit of a bump. That bump narrows the artery which increases the chances of someone having a heart attack, okay? Progesterone destroys those cells inside of those arteries so that the bump goes away. Okay. So if you look at a person, again, equal lipid panel, the woman making progesterone is 10% that of uh, the husband. Over time, when she goes into menopause and doesn't make progesterone anymore, same lipid, same risk. Put that same person on progesterone again, and within six months, they remove those uh, foam cells again. And she goes right back to having 10% that chance. And it's the, the body's own mechanism because it recognizes that if you have progesterone in the body, then you're able to create life. And to be able to create life, you need your blood vessels to be as healthy as possible. Okay. So it's, 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 you know, this is just our biologics. So going into effect. Okay, but then, but, then uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, so if I if you use too much progesterone, you can actually, and in males, like at 75, 100 milligrams, 150 milligrams, you, you run the risk of pushing down your testosterone, okay? Huh. So that it, none of these hormones work independently of each other. It, it is like a spider web. Think, think of a spider web, okay? 
that in between each knot of the spider web, there's a, like a uh, a button. So if you pull up on one knot, the button slides to the other side. So if I give you too much of one hormone or not enough of another hormone, what will happen is that amount will slide into someone else. If I gave you DHEA, for example, yeah. and oral, it has a tendency in the liver to become androstenedione and then to estrone, which is the bad estrogen, the one that causes prostate cancer, the one that causes you know breast cancer and all the other, other cancers. You say and the estrone or the estradiol? No, estrone. Estrone. E-S-T-R-O-N-E. Okay. E-1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. E1 has three different metabolites, the 16-hydroxy, a 2-hydroxy, and a 4-hydroxy. Yes. The, the, those, the 2-hydroxy and the 4-hydroxy become 2-methoxy and 4-methoxy. Those are the ones when we put Petri dishes out. Yes. And we put breast cells. We put prostate cells. We put uterine and, and, and cervical and vaginal. In, into the petri dishes. When we bathe it with estriol, nothing happens. Correct. That's I know that. In the pregnancy, it's yeah. a protective estrogen. Yes, it when is. When we put it with estradiol, we get growth factors of from one to a hundred of a hundred. Yes. When we do it with estrone, we get growth factors of ten, but it has two hundred times more DNA splits. Two hundred times more things leading to mutation and leading to cancer. So if we remove the estrone from the body or we decrease, remember we were talking about the toxic waste, okay? If we decrease the bad one and put in more of the good one, we're, we're doing basically what we were talking about with the cups of the toxic waste. We're throwing the bad stuff into the ocean, diluting it so that it doesn't have an effect. What's the probability of getting cancer? It goes down. Okay, so so wow, that is wow, that is a very very interesting. If if you said to me, "What is the cure for cancer?" We already have it. The cure for cancer is to remove things that would cause you to have cancer and increase the things that protect you from cancer. But what protects you from cancer? Progesterone protects you from cancer. Yes, antioxidants protect you from cancer. Good food, good exercise, not too much exercise. Here's the problem. People go into this crazy exercise thing, and I tell them, I go, if your body is such that you do an exercise, and two hours later, after the exercise, you feel invigorated, you did the right amount of exercise. If two hours later, you feel exhausted, you did too much exercise for your body at this stage of the game. Okay. That's not to say that you can't get there over time, but you have to listen to your body. If not, you're going to be doing more harm than good. Everything is listening for your body at the condition where you are today. You okay? I, I, I've talked to a lot of people at health food stores, and, and they all say to me, well, I'm taking this, and I'm taking that, and I'm taking this. I go, you could do everything you want, but you have to first clear up the sins of the past. And the sins of the past are what's holding on to the toxic liver. So you have to clean up the liver. You have to adjust the thyroid. Okay, 11% of the people that have a thyroid problem don't really have a thyroid problem. They have an iodine problem. They don't have enough iodine in their system. So what do you, how do you replace? They go to the, the stores and they see these iodine supplements. These iodine supplements have 3,000 times the percentage of what they're supposed to be. It's like trying to fill a 20-ounce uh, a bottle, okay, that has a little narrow hook with a bucket. It's just going to spill all over the place and it's just going to come out in your urine. You're not going to be able to retain it. I, I always say, go to a health food store, get some kelp, 
or kelp lecithin, take a capsule every time you eat, okay? Okay. And that will allow the iodine, iodine to slowly go into the body and, and slowly regenerate the body. If you're one of those people that have a low thyroid problem because of iodine, within three to six months, you won't have the problem anymore. Okay? And that brings me up to another thing, the poor man's thyroid test. If you don't want to spend a lot of money to see whether or not your thyroid is, is, being, is burning efficiently, what I recommend is you take a thermometer, you put it on the side of your bed, and in the morning when you wake up, before you take the covers off, you check your temperature. Yes. You should be burning at 98.6. That's yes. basal metabolic temperature. If you're not, if you're lower than 98.6, you need some type of help, and you should have your thyroid checked. Sometimes it's antibodies. Sometimes it's reverse T3. Sometimes it's a lack of iodine. Whatever the case may be, you have to evaluate what's wrong and then replace. And if there's a problem with the thyroid itself that's not making enough thyroid hormones, you should have a physician that slowly knows about thyroid to be able to get to where you need to be. Okay. There's a 45-minute section called... um, uh, Dr. Brownstein's thyroid hangout. I know. That's right. Dr. Brownstein. And I I have it out there, and it's been syndicated all over the world, and I've gotten like 500 emails because of it, and it took me two two and a half weeks to to answer all the emails. (laughs) But by all means, if you have a thyroid problem, you should be checking it. And I, I can't stop the thyroid thing right now because I have to do one more thing. I worked with a Dr. Kobayashi out in Japan, Yes, And he had a clinic, and in this clinic, they were curing cancer, and all of a sudden, one arm of the clinic got malaria, and they had to quarantine the entire uh, arm. And three weeks later, there was no malaria, and none of them had cancer anymore. And I want to explain to you how that works, and it all has to do with thyroid function. It has to do with temperature, and it has to do with activating the white blood cell. Huh. And it led to a whole alternative way of being able to cure cancer, which is called hyperthermia, yeah. where they inject people with uh, dead malaria cells and huh. spike high fevers. I and see. the high fevers caused the activation of the white blood cell, which went on a search and destroy mission and destroyed, okay, not only the malaria, but also the cancer. Mm. Okay, it, it, it's very, very important because the older people that have low thyroid will burn at 94, 95. You're right. So they get a cold, and they go to the doctor, and the doctor says, okay, you know, take this, take that, and they're not fighting it with the body, because if you're at 94 and you spike a 5-degree temperature, you go up to 99. But you need it to go to 103 to activate the white blood cell. When you activate it with the white blood cell, it goes on a search and destroy mission. Think of the white blood cell as a car in the wintertime. An old car, you go to turn it on and you hear, whoa, 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 whoa. You finally get it on and you throw it into drive and it dies. But if you turn it on and you keep it warmed up and you let it warm up for five minutes so that all the, the, the liquids warm up, then you can throw it into drive and you can go. The white blood cell activates at 103, 103.5. It does not activate below that. So... If you have a fever and your fever is only 99 because your thyroid is low, you never activate the white blood cell, and most older people die of pneumonia in a hospital. Wow. Okay, so huh. what, what we need to do is get good thyroid health. As far as the hormones are concerned, if you don't have good thyroid health, like that lady that was in the box for three days, and we created this protein that had this, the steroid hormone binding globulin, 
it holds on to the hormones, not allowing the hormones to do their job. Yes. So if I, let's say I, I adjusted all of your hormones and now you're doing well. And then we said, oh, there's a thyroid problem. And we adjusted the thyroid and we released all those hormones. Now I have to take another three months to readjust your hormones again. So better to do the thyroid first, release all the hormones that are there, see exactly where we're at, and then adjust accordingly. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it makes total sense. My so goodness we gracious. We have to clean the liver. We have to adjust the, the, the thyroid. We have to increase the vitamins that will support the hormones. And then, finally, we can start adjusting the hormones the way it's supposed to be. All right. We've got to take another break here for the hour. It's so amazing. Stay tuned. There's more what's coming from. We'll be right back. Health experts, witnessing them at the top of their game. Every Saturday morning on Gesundheit with Jacobus. You were talking about the DHEA, and I just want to understand that because, and in the same time, I want to throw in a question that somebody had and said, if I use a hot sauna, would that be enough to get me up to a temperature of 103.5 so I can activate these white blood cells? So that no. is a question. No? No, because you're not going to get core activation. You're not going to get the core be up to 103.5. Okay. So that okay. needs it's to be been, done. It's very, it's very difficult to do that. And you can chance yourself into dehydration. I do not recommend that. I do recommend saunas and high doses of vitamin B vitamins if you wanted to detox certain chemicals. Okay. And that's a completely other situation. But I don't recommend using hot saunas from the outside to turn in. I want you to regulate thyroid because it's, it's not everything. Hormones act at quantity over time. If you look at a young lady and she starts to develop into the hourglass design and to start creating breasts, her breasts don't happen overnight. They happen over time because there's a constant infusion of estrogen over time that creates that to happen. Yeah. Problems with the prostate, problems with all, as, as we have the benefits of hormones over time, we also have the detrimental things that happen as bad hormones over time. So that if you, you said to me, um, how does this work? How can I get some picture? I want to throw a couple of pictures at you. The first picture is that the human body, they did a radioactive isotope study a long time ago, and they saw that the human body gets torn down and rebuilt over time. How long? About 90% of the body gets completely rebuilt over a three-year period. So if you had a hormonal signature and you had that hormonal signature for an exact full year, how much of the body do you think that hormonal signature is going to be influencing the body? About 33%. So that if you had the bad hormones in there, what are the chances of you developing those bad hormones to create cancer? Over a year of using them, 33%. If you did it for three years, then those bad situations can create 91, 90% chance of having a problem. Yeah. So when we look at hormones, it's always hormones over time, okay? When, if, if three years you do 90%, then over one month, around 3% of a change is going to happen in your body structure depending on the hormonal signature. Okay. Okay. Not all hormones have the same amount in the body. So we're looking at testosterone, we're looking at estrogen, we're looking at all the different hormones, but if you were to look at all of the hormones, and let's make a representation of flour. There's five cups of flour that 
are the hormones inside of our body. No, there's not that much hormones in our body, but I'm just using it as a, a way to visualize it. Sure. Four of those cups, four of those cups is one hormone. Guess what that hormone is? DHEA. So when we look at the hormonal structure, when you look at the cascade of hormones, you see that one goes to the other, goes to the other, goes to the other. But DHEA is 80% of the steroid hormones that we have in our body. And what happens when we have a deficiency of DHEA? Interestingly enough, I can check deficiencies with people and I tell them to put your hand on the table, pull up one of your fingers, okay, while you're pressing down on the table and see what degree the finger comes up. If you can pull that finger up to a full 90 degree level, then what's happening is your ligaments and tendons that are holding that particular finger are weak. And if they're weak, you're missing DHEA because DHEA is the hormone that's necessary to rebuild ligaments and tendons. You huh. take some athlete, and I know one athlete, I don't want to mention his name on the radio, but this particular athlete was constantly injecting himself with testosterone. And he jumped off the back of a pickup truck, which is only a foot high off the ground, or two feet off the ground, and he ripped his Achilles tendon. Huh. Because he's pushing the testosterone so high, he's depressing his DHEA. His DHEA is necessary for ligaments and tendons. He's very muscular, but the weak ligaments and tendons manifest themselves by ripping when he jumped off the back of a pickup truck. So, so, so don't do the testosterone... Unless you have also enough DHEA to uh, to support right. so that. When, so people, when doctors call me and say, um, I want you to check this person's hormones, I look at all of the hormones. So for men, I want to depress the estrone. I want to de de depress the estradiol. Not all the way to zero, okay? Estradiol is the estrogen of love. It binds to the parts of the brain that creates creative thinking. So uh, for all the men and women that are out there, I'm sorry to say this to the guys, but Women are smarter than men. They have right brain hormones that allow them to be more creative. I say a man, because of his testosterone, takes sticks and makes a house. A woman takes a house and makes a home. Okay? It's the love that goes in there. Men don't make a lot of estradiol until we're in our 20s. So before that, we're all about sex, testosterone, procreating. Women make a ton of estradiol as soon as they're making their period. And they're all about love. Well, think about it. If you wanted to propagate the species, what do you do? You make the women fall in love all the time, and you make the man be able to want to have sex all the time. And what happens? The, the species gets propagated. So this is part of our own DNA. This is part of who we are. Okay? So when you see someone, and, and, and they're, they don't fall in love, and they have a lot of testosterone because they're going from one person to another, it's because they don't have, they're not making estradiol. So you don't want to eliminate it. You want to be able to be able to fall in love. But yes. at the same time, you have to limit it because if you have too much estrogen, then you become men become very emotional. And too much estrogen, you start too little estrogen, you don't care about the car burning. Too much estrogen, you're worried about dog poop. <laughs> okay? okay. Can I can I say can I say something about it? that's really good. Yeah. I, but I want to yeah. say something that I was reading the company Life Extension Foundation came out with a study in 2012, and it was uh, they had done a five year study from 2006 through 2011, and they had done over 2,400 men that were all between the ages of 69 and 81. 
So that was our test group, 69 to 81. The reason why they took that group is because all these men, men, when we get older, we start having these so-called age-related disorders, diabetes, prostate cancer, Alzheimer's, obesity, uh, arthritis. They, they just said, you know, why is it that as men get older, they start having more and more health problems that we call the age-related health problems. And they said the big difference is that when you compare to a 25-year-old male, the hormone structure is completely different. And so what they recommended, what they did with these men, they asked these men for 5.1 years to work on this experiment where they started uh, rebalancing their hormones more to a level that was uh, equivalent to a, to a 25-year-old. And so they they tested them on the total testosterone, free testosterone, and estradiol. Now, I wrote an article about it, and it was six years ago, but I wrote an article about it, and I said, well, we also need DHEA because it is such an important hormone. We should know about it. And today, I also tell men when they want to do a blood test on all these hormones to get the vitamin D3 tested with it as well. So what what... The uh, the Life Extension Foundation came out with, they said the ideal level of testosterone for any man would be between 700 and 900 nanograms per deciliter, 700 to 900. They said if that is the case, then the estradiol should be between 22 and 30. And so they said, so I have had men doing the testosterone, doing the blood test, and uh, they, they say, well, my testosterone is low, let's say 400, and but my estradiol is in the normal range is 28. And I said, no, 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 no. It is the aromatase enzyme that converts, that pulls on that testosterone and pulls out and converts into est- uh, estradiol. And I said, if you're, if you're we're going to double your testosterone from 400 to 800, which is more normal range, what do you think is going to happen to the estradiol? And they said, well, it'll double also. I said, so now you're going to end up with about 56 on your estradiol. And what Live Extension said, that once a man gets an estradiol over 37, there is an immediate 133% increased risk of developing prostate cancer and cardiovascular problems. But if a man goes below 13 on the estrogen, estradiol, there is an immediate increased risk for fractures, and osteoporosis. So I want to throw that in there uh, because what you're, I'm, I'm trying to use that information while I'm listening to you. So testosterone, 700 to 900, could, would you, do you agree with roughly with that number? You mentioned earlier 300 you, you, to 1100. You threw, you threw so many things where I wanted to interject, but I didn't want to interrupt, <laughs> interrupt you. So I... I, I I didn't write anything down, so we're going to have to go this step by step. But you let, bet. Me, let me just give you the, the crux of this. Yes. It's not just estradiol. It's estradiol and estrone. So you have to take total estrogen. Okay. And I find that I get people to, to be at optimum if their estrogen to, uh, so their testosterone to estrogen level, total estrogen level is 40 to 1. And if you were to do that and somebody had a uh, testosterone of 800, for example, okay, you wouldn't want their total estrogens to be more than 20. Because at 20, it's 40 to 1. Okay? Okay. So I do not say eliminate all estradiol. Estradiol has an effect on what we call the osteoclast. Okay? It slows down. There's two different uh, cells inside of the bone. 
One is called the osteoclast. One is called the osteoblast. The osteoclast looks for old bone and eats up old bone. If you have enough estrogen in your body, you slow down the consumption of bone. That's why women are prone to osteoporosis. Correct. After bone. after now, they start when they start menopause because the, now, the ovaries. Progesterone is a bone tropic hormone. It causes the osteoblast to make more bone. So I've had a 77-year-old patient that we gave progesterone to, gave vitamin D to, made sure she had enough calcium. She was a hunchback at 77. At 79, she was four inches taller with no no osteoporosis, no osteopenia. So getting the right amount of progesterone and the right amount of estrogen and getting the hormones right completely changed her back because she has micro breaks in her spine that cause her to become a hunchback. So that has happened. So there's no such thing as, you know, I'm too old for this, okay? But I want to touch on what you mentioned earlier, which was DHEA. And I said to you, 80% of the hormones are DHEA. And you have to look at ranges, okay? When you look at a range from a lab, that range is established. Every lab has different ranges. And they establish that range by looking at the populace that took the test eliminating the top 5%, eliminating the the bottom 5%, and saying this is the range of what normal should be. The truth of the matter is, if you're going for a thyroid examination, for example, okay, and who are the people that are getting tested? They're all people that have thyroid problems. That's why they're getting their thyroid tested. Correct. So the ranges are skewed to the lower side. Do you see what I'm getting at? Yes. Okay, so you can't take the ranges. Yes, you can use the ranges as a guide. As a doctor, I say 10%. 90% is how a patient is feeling. And you have to titrate the hormones within the ranges to be able to get the optimum sense of health. When we look at DHEA, and I have had many patients that I've consulted for that have autoimmune diseases. Now I'm talking fibromyalgia. I'm yeah. talking systemic lupus. I'm talking Shogun. I'm talking a, a whole slew Hashimoto's thyroiditis. When I bring their DHEA levels up to the top one-third of normal, to a regular, younger fashion, what has happened is these autoimmune diseases over the course of two to three months have dissipated. Wow. So, so we have all of these big pharma and got all of these big drugs out there that biologics to suppress the immune system. And what they don't tell you is we have a drug out there that's going to give you a pseudo-AIDS-like type of situation where we're suppressing your immune system. They sneakily tell you, make sure you don't have tuberculosis. Make sure you don't have this disease because we're bringing down your immune system. So if you have those diseases, they're going to run rampant. Instead of saying, hey, what happens when we increase DHEA? What happens when we increase the, the adrenal hormones to a normal level? Hydrocortisone, for example. Pregnenolone, for example. Yeah. We reinforce the adrenal. The adrenals act like a regulator for our immune system. So if we support the adrenals and we let them have less of a burden, then they can concentrate on adjusting the immune system. And if they adjust the immune system, all of a sudden, these certain conditions, which we call diseases that yeah. are autoimmune, dissipate and disappear. Fascinating. Fascinating. So, so I can't tell you how many people say, well, I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis and my thyroid is out of control. And now 
my, my antibodies are out of control and I don't know what to do. And I'm already taking, you know, 10 times the dose of what I normally would take. And I go, where's your DHEA level? It's in the tank. Slowly creep up the DHEA level to a normal level. And all of a sudden, okay, these things disappear. And you got to be careful, okay? Hormones should not be taken without some type of consultation, especially the older you get. If I had a patient and she was 65 or more, I can start them on 2.5 milligrams of DHEA as a prescription item. Would that be a cream? Would that be a cream? cream? As a cream, if I gave them, let's say, a 20 milligram cream, I'd send them to the hospital with palpitations. Because what no one's talking about, and it's very important, it's not just about the hormones. It's also about the receptor sites that are there to receive the hormones. And if you've starved the body for a long period of time without that particular hormone, the body creates a lot of receptor sites. I give this example. Let's say we have a pool table and we have 16 balls on the table, okay? And there's six holes. The holes represent the receptor sites. The 16 balls represent the hormones. If I throw all 16 balls across the table, one or two will sink. That's normal hormonal function. Right. If I start taking the balls off of the table, by the time I reach the eight balls, the body reconciles by putting 12 holes on the table. When I go down to all the way to two balls and it has hardly anything in there, the body reconciles by putting 30 holes on the table. Now, I know the body's supposed to have 16 balls. That's what the ranges say. That's what we're looking at. I don't want to put 16 balls on a table that has 30 holes because if I throw those 16, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, maybe all of them will fit into the hole. And what I'm going to have is a hyper situation. So a lady at 65, I give her 20 milligrams of DHEA. She starts to have palpitations. She goes to the hospital. She says, you're crazy. I should have never taken this much. But... I give them 2.5 milligrams, and then I wait a week, and I bring it up to 5 milligrams. Then I wait a week, and I bring it up to 7.5, and I slowly increase the hormones, giving an opportunity for those holes to close, okay? Okay, we have to... Because you're getting enough of a signature, and I can slowly bring somebody up back up to 16 balls and 6 holes, where now the body is regular. Because you must remember... Rudy, we got to go. Hard break. Hard break coming on. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Integrative Medicine, the future of healthcare. Every Saturday morning, right here from 8 to 11 a.m. Wow. I'm uh, I'm running out of paper. I'm uh, taking too many notes. So if you don't hear me, I'm writing. I'll be totally honest with you. I've done over 900 shows here. I don't think the time has ever gone this fast. Uh, that literally, I am talking to you, Rudy, and I'm taking notes, and I look up, and it is uh, it is 28 minutes past a half hour, and go like, oh goodness, we have, there's a break coming up. So phenomenal, phenomenal information, and I also believe that that may be. So having said all that, uh, Rudy, I, I I have to tell you that uh, your conversation, my conversation with you during the break is is golden, and and sadly I'm not recording it uh, for people to listen to it, but uh, great information because the DHEA. Um, you, I was talking to you about levels that I have talked to with people based on a book written by uh, somebody by the name of Stephen Shonisky. And that book came out in 2004 or 2005, and it is called The Metabolic Plan. And he explains what the right level are for men, what the le- right levels are for women, as far as a saliva test is concerned, 
or as far as the blood test is concerned. And you mentioned to me it doesn't really matter what the the level, what number it is. We'll look at the blood, look at the reference range on the blood test from the specific lab you're using and make sure you are in the upper one-third percent, uh, upper one-third. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. That's right. That's where that's where the anti-aging process goes. When you bring hormones that are supposed to be in your body. Remember, estrone is not made in the ovary, which makes estrogen. Estrone is made in the liver. Yes. Okay. okay. As a response to not having enough estrogen, it can it aromatizes the uh, testosterone into estrogen. You must remember that, for instance, without if you don't have enough zinc in your body, if men don't have enough zinc in your body, yes. if you drink a lot of alcohol and you reduce the amount of zinc in your body, you will create estrogen. When men get to be angry drunks, it's because they're converting their testosterone into estrogen and they're PMSing. So we've had, we've done tests with people, burly type guys that are, are like guys that make a lot of testosterone and you give them estrogen, I mean, or alcohol, and they want to fight everybody, and we hit them with a certain amount of progesterone, and within 20 minutes, they're like, I love you, man. I can't believe, I don't want to fight you. And it's because it, it calms the, the estrogen fire, okay? The, estrogen the zinc does? Up, yeah, estrogen opens up the right side of the brain. It's the, 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 the creative side of the brain. When you open it up too much, you create a migraine. The migraine manifests itself as the right brain, uh, takes care of the left side of the body as a pain behind the left eye. And then when you have too much testosterone and you get a migraine, it manifests itself as an ounce of headache behind the right eye. So I'll turn to someone and say, uh, do you have a migraine? She says, yes. Well, where is it? Oh, it's behind the left eye. That's an estrogen-dominant effect. Okay? I give them a certain amount of progesterone and the migraine goes away. I've had a patient walk into the pharmacy with a phone in her hand that, thought, that heard me say this and with her headache specialist on the phone, and she hands me the phone, and she says, this is my doctor. Give me something to take care of it. And he said to me, he goes, look, um, in your experience, what would you give her? I said, well, no, I would want her to be tested. I want to see where her levels are so that we can give her. He goes, I'm giving you authorization. What would you give her? And I said, well, give her 150 milligrams of, of uh, progesterone. She gets 150 milligrams of progesterone. We made a cream. She went into the, the bathroom. She put it on. She sat out front, and within 20 minutes, you can see her face turn pink. And she says to me, I'm cured. And I go, no, no, you're not cured. You're balanced right now. I so see. what happens is you no longer have the headache. Find out how long it takes for the headache to come back. 18 hours later, the headache came back. And I said, well, if 150 milligrams is the dose for 18 hours, then 200 milligrams, which would be the full day, 18 hours being 75% of the day, would probably be enough for 24 hours. And she started taking 200 milligrams only on the six days prior to her period, okay, when these headaches would come, yeah. when she was estrogen dominant, and she no longer had migraine. Okay. Okay. So, again, wow. So, what what is it, what this, no, what did this have to do with the zinc? You mentioned the zinc. Zinc, uh, when, when men have low zinc levels, I, I, I'm going to give you this quick story. I had a 22-year-old man that came in, and he said to me, he goes, and this is what I was talking about as far as hormones creating a situation with suicide. And he said to me, he goes, um, if you can't help me, I don't know what I'm going to do. 
And we checked his hormone levels. And at the time, uh, his testosterone was 725, but his estrogen was at 100. Yeah. So he was 7.25 to 1 instead of wow. a 40 to 1 ratio. Wow. And he's 22. And he said to me, he goes, um, if you can't help me, I don't know what I'm going to do. Those words ring in my ears eternally. And we checked him, and we saw where the levels are, and I said, well, let's do a spectra cell test, because like you said earlier, if I give him more testosterone, I have to stop the process by which testosterone is being converted into estrogen. Now, there are drugs out there that are anti-cancer drugs, like, for instance, anastrozole, that will inhibit the aromatization. Yeah. But there are also supplements that can add up to the same thing. For yeah. example, when you look at anastrozole, it blocks 95 to 99% of the testosterone becoming estrogen. If you give a man a certain amount of progesterone, it may block 15%. If you give him zinc, if he's zinc deficient, an increase, that's another 45%. You're up to 60. If you give him pricing, maybe that's another 10 to 15%. So you're already up to 70, 80, 75. Okay? So without giving him a prescription item, by giving him supplements like zinc, like pricing, like um, uh, um, uh, progesterone, you've already reached the 75 out of the 95 that you would have given him as a prescription. Then you can add up something else like DIM, methane which helps him eliminate the estrogen through the safe estriol pathway instead of to the two cancerous ones, and that's about 300 milligrams or so you take. And what happens? Now you're up to 80 85%. What happened to this gentleman? We only gave him zinc because he was zinc deficient. He did a, a spectrocell test. Yeah. And at, inside of three months, he came back, and his testosterone was 800, and his estrogen was 20. Wow. And he turns to me and he says, when I was 16, I started to grow breast. So high estrogen, no progesterone to balance it off because he's a male. So he creates this PMS-like symptoms all the time, okay? And men are, young men are suffering for it due to the lack of zinc. And he was zinc deficient in his diet. So when he was 16, he played basketball. And he said that his, his, his T-shirt would get soaked. And the guys that were 16 would make fun of him because he had breasts. So he started wearing two T-shirts and three T-shirts when he would go play so that no one would see them. That's how self-conscious he was. By the time he was 22 and he came to me, he said to me, if you don't help me, I don't know what I'm going to do. Once we got his testosterone up to where it's supposed to be, his estrogen down and his breast started to recede, he confided in me and said, I was thinking about committing suicide. $2.98, okay? A bottle of zinc, 100 milligrams, change this man's life, okay? That's why I praise you people that are working in health food stores and giving supplements and need to give the information out. And I love the fact that you're allowing me to give this information over the air so that there might be someone right now today suffering with this same situation, and maybe he just goes and buys a bottle of zinc, and maybe he doesn't commit suicide. You know, that's this so is interesting. This of what you're doing. Yeah, well, well thank you. I praise you for it. Well, thank you very much. And and it's been quite a few years that I had a lady on. Uh, she was a registered nurse who uh, got her training at Johns Hopkins, and she became a phlebotomist and been in the industry for 45 years. She ended up opening up her own, uh, not clinic, but her own place where people could bring blood and get blood testing done. It was called Your Future Health. And her name is Ellie Cullen, and she mentioned about zinc 
that uh, too many times any book that you read, it says do not go over 100 milligrams of zinc every day because then it can actually have a negative effect on your immune system, whereas under 100, it will build your immune system. Now, she says, I do blood tests on people, including very young people, and one of them was her own granddaughter who was so deficient in zinc, she ended up giving her 300 milligrams a day to get her levels up. And this was like a two, three, or four-year-old young girl. And so she said, it, it, and, and again, Rudy, I go back to some of the things that you have mentioned. A very important one is we are all different individuals. And Correct. so why, why does somebody need more than a hundred milligram instead of less? It is very important that you get tested for it and you just find out, are you in the upper levels or are you in the lower levels and the lower, lower percentage of it? So, you say you need a hundred milligram, and I, I, you know, it is so difficult because some of the health books literally say do not go over one hundred milligrams of zinc. Now, of course, taking a hundred milligrams every day for an extended period of time will probably have a very similar effect. But for some people, they just cannot get the levels up. It's the same with people who take vitamin D five thousand units a day with food that has fat in it. They will not gum over thirty five or forty. You simply need more. We are all different individuals. And, and so I, I understand what you're saying. It is therefore important that people get blood testing. It is important that they work with somebody who, a, a physician who understands the levels, who understands how to work with this and then makes the proper recommendation. A physician needs to know how the hormones break down. If I add something over here, what effect is it going to have down the line? Uh, you know, some people, the problem is indeed either a deficiency or it is a toxicity. We just have to find out if it is a combination or if it is one of the, one of the two. But one of the things for sure, most of us are deficient in some of the major nutrients. And, 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 and one of the things that I want to ask you about estradiol, I tell people or estrogens in general, in the last 50 years, we have been so exposed to estrogenic compounds through uh, food, uh, with the change in, in diet, be telling people to go vegetarian and vegan and low-fat, no-fat. It has caused a lot of health problems. But also the herbicides and pesticides that are being sprayed, plastics, the use of... Xenoestrogens. The, the, what's that? Those are called xenoestrogens. Xeno, thank you, yeah. Xenoestrogens, uh, the electronics, the, the cell phones, the computers the, emanate estrogenic uh, xenoestrogens also. Then you have... The, the hormone foods that have either been injected into animals or that are put into the food to make them grow faster, and estrogen has that effect. You talk about women being on the pill since 1969 and, uh, you, you, and the hormone replacement therapy that has come in. And I tell people, listen, uh, it has one effect going into the body, but uh, an, uh, an animal poops and pees wherever they stand for the year and a half, two years that they are alive before they're getting slaughtered, I said, where do you think some of these hormones that come out through the bowel, through the urine, where are they going to go? Well, in the groundwater. What do you think happens to women? They have to use the bathroom. So some of the hormones are coming out through the bowel movement, through the urine. That cannot all be filtered out. So that goes in. You talk about tens of trillions of animals over the last 50 years in the Western world. You talk about tens of billions of women who have been on hormone therapies or who have taken hormones in order to not get pregnant or to 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 help them with PMS 
etc., etc. So over time, we have simply started to affect the groundwater, and that affects men. It affects when we take a shower, when we swim in the lake, when we when we use water in general. And so over time, we have just seen that men started to be exposed to much more estrogenic compounds. Uh, can you agree with some of the things I say here? Uh, I agree with all of the things that you said just now. Okay. I, I, I know, for example, <laughs> take a look at a Japanese woman in Japan, okay? Yeah. Um, soy products have a lot of flavones. Flavones act like estrogen. If you look at Japanese women that are constantly eating uh, the soy product, they, uh, the, when you have a certain amount of steroid hormones in your body and you supersede the amount that the liver is checking that you should be floating in your body, it starts to destroy them if you have a healthy liver. And so you look at a young woman in Japan. She's eating a lot of soy products, a lot of flavones. The body sees those flavones as estrogen and indiscriminately destroys the flavones and her estrogen at the same time. Huh. So when you look at the, the, the construction of her body, she is like a tube. She doesn't have curvaceous hips. She doesn't have big breasts. She's very, very much like a little boy, okay? And then you take that same person and you bring them into the American lifestyle within a couple of years of being the American lifestyle, and she doesn't have all of the tofu that she had before, she starts to get curvaceous. She starts to have to grow breasts because her estrogen is allowed to flirt. So the same thing happens when you take xenoestrogen. You don't understand that when you have petroleum products in your body, they get absorbed right through the skin. If I turn to you and said, okay, we're going to take a glass of water, I'm going to put a one drop of bleach in there and then take a strip from the pool, put it in there, it's going to say overloaded with chlorine. Okay. I then ask you to stick one finger, just one finger, for about two seconds into that water, pull it back out, then take another strip, put it into the same water. And you can do this in your, in your, in your place, and you'll see that it shows negative. You absorb all of that chlorine right through your skin. Wow. Things that are petroleum products like gasoline. I tell people when you go pump the gasoline, keep your face away from those fumes because you will be absorbing those fumes. And huh. any petroleum product acts like synthetic estrogens in your body. Yeah. So understand that you will store them in the fat cells, okay? And that will cause health risks in the future. So anytime anybody goes to pump gas, anytime you use paint that is oil-based paint, make sure that it's well ventilated. Make sure that you put on a, a uh, protective gear. If you're if you're doing Roundup and you're spraying Roundup to kill weeds, yeah. okay? Make sure that you have protective gear and then throw that protective gear out because if you spray yourself, I've seen people that are spraying it and they're getting, which your thought, and they're getting it all over their legs. And I know that that's getting absorbed right through. And we've now seen all of the problems that ha that happens to. Yes. When you talk about electronics, the phone, you know, if you keep a phone in your pocket yeah. for a certain amount of time and you're wearing rubber sole shoes, okay? You need to be grounded out. You hold an ohm meter and you can see that you're holding a charge. You take your shoe off and put it on the ground and that ohm meter drops to zero. We yeah. are not grounding ourselves out. And yeah. what the problem with 5G that's coming down the road is that it's going to create a huge amount of electricity that we're being electrically called that are getting hit with EMF from everywhere. And no one's talking about it because they want the convenience of everything. This is all bringing a huge amount of power. I can go on for, for days. You know, that is interesting, Rudy, because uh, a lot of men carry their cell phone in the front pocket. 
right. very close to the testicles. And right. many men at a very young age already have erectile problems. Yes. That's right. Yes. Yeah. I, I, when I told you I, I went 10 hours, I could go a lot further. I, I, I went to a, a place where the doctors go to learn, and they gave me the, the, the worst slot between 5 and 6 p.m. at night. <laughs> where everybody's already been tired. And I started to talk, and only a place that held 200 doctors, only held, there was only 20 there. And they started to hear me talk, and I started explaining some of these things, and before you know it, they were on the phone. And I thought it was very rude for them to be on the phone, but everyone was on the phone. Within the next 40 minutes, the whole room filled up. Wow. And there were over 200 doctors there learning about this stuff. It was standing room only. I was supposed to finish at 6 o'clock. I went till 8.30, just <laughs> answering questions, okay? I went for three and a half hours, and no breaks, no nothing. I, I, my, my mouth was so dry, and I'm just giving as much answers as I could because we need to give this information out to people so they have a fighting chance to be better. And, mm -hmm. and, and so I, I, we had this agenda, and the agenda is about 60 pages long that I wanted to get through, and we probably got through about 15 pages. <laughs> Jeez, Luis. Yeah. Well, and I, I be honest with you, I just love this topic, and I've been, uh, I've been talking so much to customers about the importance of hormones and trying to help them. And what you're telling me is very helpful here, because it's, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's the driving force. It's the driving force, and but we need to make sure that the fuel we put in our body is helping. The, the continuation or the production of these hormones. And, and one of the things I tell people, listen, as we get older, we simply don't eat that much anymore. Our appetite has changed. We are a little bit more finicky about what we eat. Um, and, and, and sometimes because of a sedentary lifestyle, in combination with that, we are not processing the nutrients that we eat. And, and I, and I talk, yeah, go ahead. Of course. I know we have our, our time is short, and I want to really get this one in. Yeah. And I talk to people about dehydration, okay? You hear, you see all these cooking shows where people say, well, this is too salty for me, and this is not salty enough for me, and so on and so forth, okay? Um, one of the things that happen as we get older, especially the older people, is they lose their taste. And the reason why they lose their taste is because of the depletion of electrolytes. The way to, I, I tell people to replace their electrolytes is just by using regular sea salt. Sea salt has the same electrolytes that we have in our body at the same ratio that we have in our blood, okay, but just at a, at a much thicker concentration. So I'll tell people if you were going to replenish with uh, sodium chloride of 0.9%, which is osmotically correct for our body, and they give you that in IV, I would say use two teaspoons of sea salt into a liter of water and drink that over the day. You can do that for as long as you want, and you can check by pulling the top of your skin on the top of your hand to see if it stays up. If it stays up, you're dehydrated. If it goes back down really quickly like a rubber band, then that means you have enough hydration in your body. When you do the sea salt over time, especially if you're very dehydrated, you will not taste the salt. Because as soon as it touches your tongue, just like your finger, it absorbs it right away. Over time, as you get saturated with that particular um, electrolyte, the body becomes saturated and no longer gets absorbed by the tongue, and then you taste it. And you'll say, oh, my God, I gave the same concentration, drank five or six bottles, and all of a sudden, now it's really, really salty. Whereas before, it wasn't salty at all. If this is true, then all of those shows where you see people tasting it, 
and saying this is too salty, this is not too salty, is because they themselves have a deficiency, not that they cooked it anything wrong. I see. Mm -hmm. You like that? <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot. It's very practical. It yeah, is very, very practical, practical because... Very cheap without any of the sugar that you would get like from Gatorade or anything to that effect. Well, that's, that's true too. But also, you find out that when the body is getting the nutrients it needs, it craves less of the nutrients it shouldn't have. Of nutrients that take, of the food, and I tell people that uh, see we're almost at the end of the time here, so I'm so sorry. <laughs> the end of the hour, um, you know, eating sugar will burn very fast in a fireplace. It's like paper in a fireplace. But if you put logs in, you get your proteins and your fats in, and you have your minerals. All of a sudden, the craving for the paper for the sugar will go away because right. the body is satisfied. But if we don't eat the right food, and if we eat and go on the go. We're just not absorbing the nutrients correctly, and then we start having all kinds of problems. Rudy, I, I, I cannot tell you, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to have you on the show. I, uh, I wish you all the best. I hope to talk to you again soon to simply continue this amazing, uh, amazing uh, experience <laughs> that I have with you. So I wish you all the best, and um, I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you, and thank you for all of your listeners for listening. May God bless you all. Thank you, and we appreciate you very much, folks. We'll be back next week, Saturday. Talk to you then.